Welcome to the Project Church Podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Here we go. We are continuing this Genesis series, and I want to uh, first share something that I'm really, really um, proud of right now. We can throw it on the screen. My season of life has changed dramatically since you guys last see me. Go ahead and throw it up. There it is. There it is. There it is. All right. Hold on. I, I promised my wife that I would kiss them on the lips when they graduate high school, and I'm going to do it. I don't care what you think. So these are my sons, that's Graham, he's my mini-me, and this is Beckham, he, that's my wife's mini-me, Cuddlebug. They're, they are um, my whole world, and they are um, my joy right now. They are six weeks old already, it feels like it has flown by, and um, if you get a chance to meet them, I'm, t- I'm telling you this, they love Jesus more than I do already at six weeks. I don't even know how that works, but they do. And they're cooler, people are like, are you Beckham and Graham's dad? I'm like, my name is Sam. So, you know, it is what it is, my kids are cool. Um, You know what I've found being a parent already is that regardless of how much a fellow parent tells you good luck sleeping, it doesn't compare to what actually happens when you have the baby, am I right? Like no matter how much you tell me you're not gonna get a lot of sleep in one ear and out the other, and then you have the babies and it changes everything. Now, I'm not joking about this. For two straight weeks, and some parents in here, you're gonna laugh probably just like sympathy pain, like I get you, man. Two straight weeks, the first two weeks of their life, They did not sleep more than two hours a night. So I did not sleep for more than two hours a night. And studies have shown that a human being can go 11 days without sleep and then they die. (laughs) So I'm two weeks into this thing and they say the tall tale sign that you're getting to a spot of unhealth is that you start to hallucinate. And so my wife would tell me every morning, ah, I can't believe you did that last night. I can't believe you did that. And I had no recollection. So two weeks come and it's the pinnacle moment. I'm probably pretty close to death. And she says, I can't believe last night you got up and went to the bathroom. You came back to help me put the boys to sleep. And you walk back and you're bouncing the babies, but nothing's in your arms. And you say, here's Beckham. And she's like, you're not handing me a baby. They're both in their crib. I go, no, no, that's okay. Just, just, you know, take care of them. Love them. Love them well. And then she's like, well, then if this is Beckham, where's Graham at? I say, he's two weeks old. I say, don't worry. He's on the toilet. He'll be out in a minute. Just taking care of business right now. <laughs> two weeks old. I'm changing diapers still. This is, he's not that advanced. And, and I, she's like, he, he's not on the toilet, Sam. He can't do that yet. I said, go check then. She's like, okay, fine. And she goes in and she checks. No baby. And guess what? No response, I was out again. So she wakes up, tells you this the next morning, and I go, oh my gosh, that was real? I thought I was dreaming that. And I had a lot of these moments, and luckily she's given me the grace card. She said, you know what? You don't do well with sleep, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna handle this. So I have been sleeping a little bit more. My wife's the best. Can we just show some love to my wife? She's back there, you're beautiful. She was made to mom. But as I was reading through the scriptures that we're gonna dive into in just a moment, what I did realize is that I think in life, a lot of us, when, when we have a dream in our heart or, or a plan that we're trying to accomplish and we're trying so hard to get to a certain spot, like for some of you, we just got out of a relationship series and you're like, yo, I'm trying to get married right now. But you keep getting those Tinder dates that aren't working out, you know what I'm saying? Like some of you young adults are like, yeah, I keep swiping. And you've been on like 30 dates and they don't work out. 
or you've been to college and you got the degree and you're trying to get the career, but you're still working all these jobs that feel like dead-end jobs. And you're like, yo, I got the degree, but I'm not where I wanna be. I would say that it's, it's almost in the same sense like spiritual hallucination. Because all hallucination really is at the end of the day is seeing things the wrong way. Do you know this? Like hallucination, like you're awake, you're, like you're seeing it, but you're just seeing it the wrong way. And what I've realized as we read these scriptures in a moment is that for a lot of us, if you find yourself right now in a journey of life, somewhere you wanna be, but you're not currently there, and you start seeing things the wrong way, what I've noticed is this, that you start to miss the opportunities that God places right in front of you. The reality is this, that like, you could put something in plain daylight, and you might miss it. And I think that's because we are missing what's right in front of us. So I'm gonna be reading to us, bless you, I'm gonna be reading out of Genesis 41. Joseph was the man, as we've been going through the scriptures, Joseph had a dream. And yet we can read by the scriptures and through the messages, we know that his journey was anything but what he thought it was gonna be. Does it relate to you? You're like, yo, I got a plan for my life. Like, this is what I'm gonna do. And then all the months and the weeks and the years that follow after are anything but what you thought they were gonna be. I always say, like, it's cute. Like, you can have a plan for your life, but just understand it rarely goes the way that you want it to, doesn't it? Some of you like laugh, like, oh, that's me, that hurts. Like, that's the reality. And Joseph had a dream that God had given him. And yet the years that followed after that dream were filled with setbacks, were filled with unfair circumstances, were filled with seasons that he never thought he was gonna be at. And in Genesis 41, this is where we pick up, Joseph is in prison at the time. Pot of, uh, excuse me, Pharaoh had sent his cupbearer and his, his uh, baker to prison on suspicion that they were trying to kill him. And this is where he pick up in Genesis 41, verses 9 through 16. Does anybody have their paper, paper Bible in here? The ones that love the Lord. I love my U students putting them up. Let's go. Okay, hey, VIP line. For all of you that wrote, put these up, VIP line in heaven for you, okay? You got the fast, fast genie, all right? You like go to Disneyland, you just pass by everybody else. Like, I know you're getting in, but I'm getting in first. I heard the pretzels are better in the morning, so good news for you. Genesis 41, verses 9 through 16, it reads this. The chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with the servants and imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and yet the other man was killed. Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought up from the dungeon. And when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and nobody can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph replies, I love this. I can't do that. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. As I read through these scriptures, I, and I'm looking at Joseph's life as a whole, and I know you and I don't have the luxury to see 10 years down the road. That would probably mess some things up, and that's why God doesn't allow us to. But I'm looking at Joseph's life and all the things that he had walked through for years and years. I'm looking at Joseph, and I'm like, I think he had the temptation that you and I face every day. That when he was in setback season, when he was in unfair circumstances with his life, and maybe you can relate, he had the temptation that you and I face, which is to become self-absorbed and only focused on ourselves. Well, I'm, I can't help anybody else because I, I am not where I should be. And I need to focus on me. I need to do me. I need to get my 401k out of the way. I need to get my retirement set up. I need to get the career. And a lot of you know what I'm talking about. When things don't go your way, instead of having the eyes to see in the world outside, 
do you start focusing on us, don't we? Like this is the human condition. We tend to focus on us. And this is exactly where I'm like, yo, Joseph could have been here, but he didn't. And I think the reason that Joseph was able to serve so well all these years was because he wasn't focused on himself. And I think that in here today, you and I cannot say yes and be obedient to the opportunities that God is placing right in front of us unless we are willing to say, God, change what I'm seeing. And this is what I believe. And you can write this down as I jump in. The message title today is this. There's another way. There's another way. If you're not taking notes, that's okay. I don't judge, at least openly. Um, turn to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's another way. Now turn to your second choice and say, there's a way for you too. Joseph's life tells me this as we jump in to the message that daily obedience always opens the door to divine opportunities. A lot of you are believing God for something but trying to make it happen on your own. Can I tell you, your plans plus trusting God a little bit doesn't work. You, if it's God's plans, only God can make it happen. And I'm telling you, daily obedience to what God has put, the opportunities he's placing in front of you right now is the only recipe to fulfilling what God has placed in your heart. Daily obedience opens the door to divine opportunities. And the first way that you and I can learn to live a life of obedience to God is gonna start here. You have to know that you're known. You have to know that you're known. You gotta know that God knows you. You gotta know that the Bible says God knows you're laying down and you're raising up. He knows every hair on your head, every need in your heart, every day of your life, your past, your present, your future. He knows it all. But too many times we walk through seasons and we can be honest here for a moment where we walk through seasons and we feel like God's forgotten me. I feel like I'm in a season where everybody else is doing great and I'm really not doing that great. I had a plan for my life and it's not going anywhere and yet I'm watching everybody around me succeed and yet I'm not doing anything important. Or maybe you're watching all your friends around you getting married. You're like, yo, I thought it was my season. And you're not getting married. And that's frustrating. And it's hard at times to, com to, com to not compare yourself to people. It's hard to celebrate them at times, isn't it? And I've noticed that when we are people that feel forgotten, the biggest problem is that we become bitter at times. Look what it says in the scriptures. I'm gonna go back a little bit. It says, Joseph is in prison with the cup, cupbearer and the baker the people that serve Pharaoh. It says that he was in prison and just by chance, Pharaoh happened to send his two royal officials into the same prison where Joseph is. I don't think it was coincidence. I think God was setting him up for something. And he's in prison and Joseph is now overseeing these two people and he interprets their dreams for them. He says, the baker, well, you, you dead. Like this is it for you. But the cupbearer, he said, God's gonna restore you back to your position. You will serve Pharaoh again. And he says these words in, in chapter 40. Go back and read it for yourself. In chapter 40, Pharaoh interprets the dream, gives a favorable interpretation to the, to the cupbearer, and then he says these words. He says, when you get out of prison, remember me and make mention of me to Pharaoh and help get me out of here. There's no reason I should even be in the season and situation that I am. And so we see how it happens. The cupbearer is restored back to his position. He's now serving Pharaoh back with a luxurious life. Things are going well for him. You ever been at home, like, let's be real, and you're on social media, like, season of life, not great for you, but great for somebody else. You're like, should be me. Can't believe I'm not there. Don't act like that ain't you. I know all y'all do it. And, and we start comparing, like, man, I should be there. And this is somebody that Joseph helped. Joseph could have felt forgotten, but he also could have felt used, huh? 
Like, yo, I helped you get there and you just forget about me? You said you were gonna rem remind Pharaoh about me and now you can't even remember me. And so we see the cupbearer is back in his normal life and the Bible actually says that for two years, Joseph sat in the same prison. Like, soak that in for a moment. For two years, you're in the same season. Some of you are like, please, God, no. For two years, his situation and season didn't change. And even now, I feel like the Holy Spirit's reminding me that, man, I'd rather feel forgotten by man and remembered by God any day. And I love that when Joseph is in prison, God had not forgotten him. The Bible says that in every season, in every situation, God had not forgotten him. Can I remind you, friend, that the season and the situation you're in, God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you in your brokenness. God has not forgotten you in your process. God has not forgotten you. This is good news because if God hasn't forgotten you, then you shouldn't give up on what he's placed in your heart. So Joseph, for two years, in the same position, is in his waiting season. And I love what the Bible says in, in my favorite verse, probably in the Bible, in, in Numbers chapter 23. It says, God is not a man that he should lie. Have you ever read this verse before? You see it on like coffee mugs and Instagram, like I love this one. God is not a man that he should lie. And for you and for me, this is something we should attach our life to. This is a truth that we should live by. Because if he's spoken something to you, you can hold on to it. Why? God is not a liar. God makes good on his promises. God makes good on his word. Something that I try to live my life by. I wake up every morning and tell myself, if he said it, I'm gonna see it. And some of you, you need to remind yourself of that. If he said it, I'm gonna, even if it's been seasons, if it's been years, if it's been decades, if, I, if he said it, I'm gonna see it. Some of you have to remind yourself, God's not a liar. He will do what he said he's gonna do. There was a promise for Joseph that he would not be in prison, that he would be serving in royalty, and he would help his family. His current circumstance didn't look that way, though, did it? But there was a promise, and God is not a liar. He makes good on his promises. And as I mentioned earlier, I, I do think that when we're in that season of waiting, I think you and I have, have a predicament a lot of times. When you're waiting and you're watching everybody else do better than you are, what feels like doing better than you are, the knee-jerk reaction is that we can get bitter, isn't it? And I think that there's two places we get bitter most. We get bitter at the people around us who really ain't done nothing wrong to you, and you're just mad because they're doing good and it feels like you're not. And so you start comparing and competing and trying to figure out your way and how I'm gonna get better, how I'm gonna do better, and this is not the way that God wants us to live. Can I tell you that? God doesn't want you to live in that zone. There's no fruit in life in comparing and competing. What happens if you get ahead? Great, it lasts for a moment, doesn't it? We know life is fleeting. The second thing that you can get bitter at is God. Some of you know this. Some of you have been there. Can I be honest? Been there before. Bitter at God. I thought it was going to happen sooner. I thought it was going to look different, and it's not, and now you're bitter at God. But when you're bitter, you miss the very opportunities that God places right in front of you. This is what fogs our vision. And so here's your decision that you and I have to make today. Are you ready? You can get bitter, or you can get better. It's that simple. And making the decision to get better today does not mean that I leave and I'm going to be, oh, happy-go-lucky. No, no, no. Making the decision to get better today says, God, I'm going to give you my life. And I'm going to ask you to work on my heart so that you can take, the, we shared the scripture even at um, our prayer time on Wednesday, that if you hear his voice today, do not harden your hearts. God will speak to you in your season. Don't harden your heart. And it might be that he asks you to do something that's for somebody else, it's not even for you, but can I tell you, every time you say yes to the opportunity God places in front of you, it's a setup for where God wants to take you. And we see this in Joseph's life. The second thing that we have to do, the second thing we have to do, the first one, you have to know that you're known. The second thing, I'm gonna break this down because it's just a cool alliteration for preaching only, okay? Let's be honest. You gotta recall 
the riches of life. Meaning you need to remember the good. Because we see now Joseph has been promoted. He's serving Pharaoh. Bible says that he was brought up quickly, which is what I believe that when, when God sees you, when you know that God hasn't forgotten about you, he's the one that promotes you quickly. He's the one that will bring you up quickly. And this is what happens for Joseph. He's brought up quickly. And he's, he's now interpreting the dream for Pharaoh, and this is what he said. Pharaoh has two dreams. He breaks them down. He says, both of the dreams, they're one and the same. He said, there's gonna be seven years of abundance in Egypt. Anything you can want, literally in your head, think about this. Anything you can imagine, so much of it. But then there'll be seven years that follow it a famine. He actually says it like this. Seven years of famine will be so severe that you will forget about the abundance you once had. Isn't this the human condition? That you have had seasons that were full of good things full of riches, full of blessing, full of goodness, and yet you have a season that's difficult, that's daunting, that's hard, and in this season, you have forgotten about all the good that there once was. The human condition is that we have a tendency to fixate on the one thing that's most difficult rather than all the things that have been good. And this is where we have to understand that Scripture always interprets Scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 3 tells us that Jesus Christ, was the same yesterday as he is today and as he'll be tomorrow. So if there was abundance, if there was blessing, if there was healing, can I tell you it'll happen again? Can I tell you if there was blessing then, there'll be blessing in your future. And somebody needs to remind yourself that if you're walking through a season and you are short-sighted and only seeing the burden right now, can I tell you, we serve a God who wastes no seasons. We, We serve a God who will take your burdens and turn them into blessings. We serve a God who takes brokenness and he turns it into healing. And we're gonna start to find what's happening for Joseph, but you have to understand you need to recall the blessings because you might in this room feel like you're in a season where your finances are struggling. Can I remind you, you won't be struggling forever. You might be struggling with sickness in the family right now. Can I remind you, you won't be there forever. Can I remind you, even if your, your relationships haven't been working out, you ain't found your boo thing yet. You won't be there forever. But you've got to stop seeing this temporary season and labeling it a permanent location. Where you are right now is not where you end. The scriptures are clear. He takes us from glory to glory, strength to strength. We never stay where we are. This is my greatest fear in life. Maybe it's yours too. Staying the same. I would rather lose and risk and go forward then stay where I am forever. And if you're gonna be people that follow Jesus, can I tell you, you're gonna have to be forward people. And at times it's gonna cost you your comfort. At times it's gonna cost you some convenience. But when you do that, I promise you, you will see that he will continue to grow you and take you from glory to glory and strength to strength. Where you are is not where you're meant to end. Somebody asked me recently, they said, Sam, what is your favorite season of life? I don't know if you've ever been asked this or asked somebody this. Uh, To be honest, I said every season I've learned to be my favorite season. Sometimes I love the rain. Sometimes I love the heat. Right now, I don't love the heat. I'm sweating right now. You guys can't see it. Uh, This park is saving me right now. But I said I've learned to love every season. And I think for the truth of it is that we all need to learn this way in our own spiritual journey with God. I've learned to love every season. The hard seasons as much as the easy seasons. 
the seasons that are full and the seasons that are empty. Why? Because I think that God has a lesson and a blessing in every season. But we can miss it really quickly when we start to feel sorry for ourselves, when we start to become self-absorbed. But we say, God, give me the right eyes to see this season. I promise you something will always come out of it. Something comes out of every season because God does not waste a single season. And I, I've actually been tempted with, with um, wasting this own season of my life because I, if you don't know my story, having these two boys of mine is a miracle. Shouldn't even have happened. And I look at this season and I'm so grateful when I got sleep. Two o'clock in the morning hits. You might hear me in the other room, please go to bed. And my wife will be in the other room, remember where we used to be? I go, you're right, I just want some sleep. And somebody needs to be remembered remember of that. Remember where you once were. Remember when you were once broken? Do you remember when you were once lost? Do you remember when you had nothing, when you were nothing, and then Jesus came in with grace and mercy on your life and all the good that he's done, you need to be remembered. You can clap your hands if he's done good for you. If he's done good for you, come on, put your hands together. I know in this room he's healed people, he's saved people, he's set you free. And we need to remind ourselves of all that God has done. If we are to be obedient people, we have to always remember the good that God has done. And uh, even as I was reading this, and I'm, I wanna share this thought, that God, even in those seasons that are harder, I know our prayer is like, God, change my season. God, make it easier. Give me the raise. And like, God doesn't always do that. You're like, God, what's going on? He's like, <laughs> He's like hey, just relax. Like, <laughs> it's not gonna last that long, buddy. Keep it up, champ. And we throw a temper tantrum, right? And it's really, really clear if you've ever read scripture, and if not, this will be good for you that God does not always want to change what you see. But he always wants to change how you see it. Because as I read scripture and Moses' back is up against the Red Sea and an army is coming to kill him and all who have fled from Egypt, he could have said, God, take it away. And guess what God didn't do? Take it away. But God changed how Moses saw it and the result was a miracle came from it. He split the Red Seas. I look at the story of David versus Goliath. And David is looking at a giant man. No way he can overcome him on his own. And David never prays, God, take him away. Make it easy. No. What God does is he changes how, 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 how he sees Goliath. And when he changes how he saw Goliath, he can overcome it. Friend, can I tell you, God might not want to change what you see. He might want to change how you see it because guess what? You can overcome it. Guess what? He is strong enough to bring you through. Guess what? I know it might be hard to know. I promise you, he can carry you through. This is why scripture always reminds us that Jesus is not just our risen savior, but he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The imagery of Jesus is that he picks up us when we have wandered on our own and he carries us when we can't carry ourselves. He might not want to change what you see. You know why? Because in the not changing what you see, he develops you. In the book of Psalms, there's a scripture that says, the Lord upholds those who have integrity. And integrity and character and humility are only built in development seasons. And maybe you're like, oh, I want to be where I am. That's awesome. I want you to be where you are for a little bit. You're learning who Jesus really is. It's not possible for you and I to really know Jesus personally unless we walk with him through seasons of life. This is why I love seasons. Because when I notice that he's walking with me, I learn that he's patient. I learn that he's kind. I learn that he's faithful. I learn that he's consistent. 
And for you and for me, I promise you, I know seasons aren't easy, but they are absolutely important for the development of your soul. And I love that right before the famine hits and the, and the uh, keys, you can come back up. Right before the famine hits, the seven years of abundance have happened. Joseph is reminded of all the people he's helped that have not helped him back. All the people that have used him. How his brothers tried to kill him, sold him into slavery. How he was put in unfair circumstances. All this is going through his mind. Now he's elevated to a place of royalty number two in all of Egypt. And God grants him two babies. His firstborn son, his name is Manasseh. Literally translated, God has made me forget the pain of my past. Somebody here like, yo, I need that. Help me forget that. Help me forget that boyfriend. He was trash. And then his second son, Ephraim, was literally translated into God has made me fruitful in the place where I once suffered. And as I was reading that, I felt like the Lord said, that's something that we need to lean into this morning. You need to understand that God wastes no season. And even though there might be a difficult seasons, though there might be pain in the past, people that you have yet to forgive, can I tell you that the promise that you need to understand is that God will do for you and for me exactly what he did for Joseph and he will help you forget the pain of your past and fruitful in the place where you once suffered. This means that if you're in a season of weeping, there is a season of joy coming. That means that if you're in a season of lack, there's a season of abundance coming. If you're in a season of pain, there's a season of healing coming because you're not meant to be where you are forever. God's grace carries us through. Amen. So I've come with the message this morning that there's another way. And can I tell you, it's not in your strength. It's not in your effort. It's not in your ability. It's in the grace and the mercy of Jesus that holds you and carries you and brings you through. He'll bring you through. He's faithful to bring you through. My last point, my last point is this. You gotta stay scattering seeds. You're like, yo, what does that mean? It's really Christianese language. This is what it means. Jesus said these words. It was the theme of his life. I came to serve and what? Not be served. I didn't come. Jesus did not come to earth to be served. He, this shows us how gracious he really is anyways. He came to serve us. And what I found in life is that Jesus wants us to be so about the Father's business and less, less about our own self-absorption in life. We say, God, show me the opportunities. Even this last week, God reminded me, as I was preparing for this message, a really, really small seed that was sown. Youth ministry, if you didn't know, um, is, is the most where you can, has anybody ever planted a garden before? Okay. I know there's Instagram and Instacart and Amazon. Is there an Insta fruit in here? Like, y'all ever found fruit that grows the next day? For real, I need to know, because my fruit go bad all the time. I don't think there is. And if there is, talk to me after. And um, youth ministry is so about planting seeds and not seeing it for five years, 10 years down the road. I've done weddings of students. I've walked students through seasons of brokenness and then see them come through, and I've seen it all. But I've never once invested in a student in the next day, it's just like, boom, life change. It's always like five years down the road, which would make my life way easier, if I'm honest. It's always 10 years down the road. And I was even reminded this a couple weeks ago, I was at, for my birthday, like a couple months ago, I was at, for my birthday, I was at um, this great burger place called Five Guys. I don't know if you've heard of it, my birthday celebration. And there's this kid serving burgers, and I'm like, yo, Carly, is that like that Alan up there? Haven't seen this kid in years. Now, going backwards, there's a kid named Alan who, um, he was that one student for me, you know what I mean? Like, he was just that, I can't deal with this kid. Like, he annoyed me, he was funny looking, like, just, you know what I'm talking about? Like we all, he was that one person. 
And my wife was like, what, you know, she's, she's just like Jesus. She's like, we need to, so I'm on the side of the road. She's like, let's, let's pick them up and bring them to you. Every single Tuesday night for three years, picked Alan up, he smelled bad, was always hungry, was always annoying. We brought him to youth. Three years. Kid would bring drugs to youth ministry. Kid would get in fights. This kid was a mess. We, we knew a little bit about his situation. We just kept loving him, serving him. My wife did a better job than me, loving him, serving him. Show up to five guys. It's now been almost 10 years. I go, is that, is that Alan? She goes, no, nah, that's not him. I go, no, nah, I'm pretty sure. I said, he was a funny looking kid. He's probably grown into his body. I said, that's probably him. We go up there, Alan, if you're listening, I love you. And um, I go, uh, he, he comes out the back. I go, hey, hey, come here, come here, come here. He's like, hey, how can I help you guys? I go, are you, are you Alan? He goes, yeah, that's my name. I'm like, do you know who we are? He's like, yeah, I, just, I didn't know what to say. Like, I recognized you guys as soon as you walked in. We started having a conversation. By the end of the conversation, he goes, you have no idea all those years where you picked me up. You fed me. You loved me. You were like family when I had none. How much that did for me. And I honestly can say that I wouldn't be where I was without that. And I think we all have people that seem like small opportunities. Even this last week at a, the 10 millionth graduation party I've been to. I get a text. Thank you so much for coming to this graduation party. You lit up the room with your joy. And it made everything easier. And it, God reminded me that was a seed that was sown. Small. But what I've learned is that God takes small, insignificant, little steps of faith and he makes much of them. And I'm telling you today, the way that Jesus is asking you to say, God, will you bring me to the next season is not in making it happen in your own, but to say, God, help me to see the opportunities in front of me to serve people well, to love people well, so that I can make an investment that will be far longer lasting than what I can ever do in my own strength. I kind of related to this. Y'all ever, like, is there any people in here, you got like late night hunger, just like overtakes your body. Like you got to go down, get something out of the fridge. You like, you go with the mission and a purpose. You're like I need some chocolate. That's me, all right? I think I got some on the shirt before I got up here. I need some chocolate. I need some ice cream. I need some cake. I got the dad bod going on now. And this is where you go for a purpose, right? And most of the time you go down there with a hunger for something. Am I right? and you fill yourself with things that aren't actually really great for you. And I think a lot of times in life, we go about life looking for things to fill us but never fulfills us. And I'm telling you, the only thing that can fulfill your soul is living the calling and mission that Jesus has placed on your life, and that is to serve people, invest in people, love people. But it is not, you will never feel filled if you are serving yourself. Jesus wants to fulfill your soul in the only way to do that. God, make me aware of the daily opportunities you're placing right in front of me. I'm gonna close. We can stand up here. I'm gonna pray. There's a scripture that comes to mind in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. The message title today was, There's Another Way. And I want you to hear that. Whatever season you might be in, whatever you might be walking through, and you have tried on your own so many times to make it happen on your own, and it hasn't worked yet. Because the way of Jesus is following him. And following him might bring you through some seasons. Following him might bring you through some things. But I tell you, like I said, he will always carry you through and bring you to what he's placed in your heart. Joseph walked through so many seasons of brokenness, yet God brought him to where he said he would go. And I need to remind you, he'll bring you where he said he'd take you to. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, Jesus is saying, he's speaking in a parable and he says, if I clothe the lilies of the field and I take care of the birds in the air, birds that can't help themselves, lilies that cannot clothe themselves, he said, how much more will I do for you? And I need you to know he'll do it for you. It's another way. And it's like this little idiosyncrasy where you're like, I didn't know it was that easy. Yes, walking in faith, Jesus will make the way for you. If you've been praying, if you've been believing for something, the way of Jesus is just saying, I got a little bit of faith today. And Jesus says, that's all I need. I love the stories of the gospels that Jesus talks about, even the story of the prodigal son where there was a son that had wasted everything, lived life on his own, tried to make it happen on his own, and yet there's this imagery of the father on a porch looking out for his son to come home. Can I tell you, if you haven't found the way, I know the one that can make it for you. And he's standing here this morning with his arms wide open and saying, would you just trust me and you just fall into my arms and I'll take you where you need to go and I'll heal you when you need healing and I'll love you when you need loving, but you gotta just come back to the father today. And can I tell you, when you come back to Jesus, listen to me loud and clear, there is no condemnation. There is no shame. There is no guilt. Scripture actually says that if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. There's no condemnation. It's grace and mercy available for you. And we gotta see him as a loving father. Scripture says that where Jesus sits, it's a judgment seat. But can I tell you, for you and for me, it's a mercy seat. He sits at the mercy and he gives that to you and for me. Can I ask you to close your eyes? I wanna pray for some people in here. I believe that there are some people this morning that walked in and they've been trying to make a way on their own and they've been frustrated and they have not allowed God in. And you say, maybe I haven't been following Jesus and today I need to make the decision to say, Jesus, you can be the Lord of my life. I'll give you everything, my past, my present, and my future because I'm trusting today that if I can't do it, oh, maybe only you can. And I need to put my faith in you. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand wherever you are? I wanna know who I'm praying for. That's amazing, that's amazing. Come on, would you pray this with me? Say, Jesus, thank you for your grace and mercy that I haven't earned and I definitely don't deserve, but you give it to me because you love me. And today, I'll make the decision to give you my life. Thank you for forgiving my past, for loving me in my present, and securing my future because Jesus died on the cross for all my sins and failures. And today, I leave this place different. I leave this place new. I give you my life, Jesus. In your name I pray. Can you say amen? Listen, before I leave, there's just been this lyric that's been on my mind for weeks now. And uh, I think it's something that we need to receive before I leave. This song that we've sung here at church, and there's a line in it that says, with all of the faith in the room, I wonder what the Lord can do. And maybe you came in today and you're going through the motions. Listen, this is your journey. But what I know is that there's people here that represent real needs, that have real prayers. And I think that if we can fill God's house with wonder, I think miracles can be the result of what comes out of it. So can I ask you to just lift up your hand wherever you are. Jesus, we lift up our hands in here with faith, God, wondering if we have faith in our hearts, what you can do. Today, God, would you heal? Today, God, would you save? Today, God, would you make a way where there seems like there is no way? We lift our hands acknowledging you're the way maker and only you can do it. We love you, Jesus, as we worship.
Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.